So three, two, one. Cool. So from what I can hear, there is a ever so slight delay. Yes, I in... messed that up. So was that a, was that you messing up or is that because no that was me call? messing up i forgot that the go was the clap even though you just okay said, so we're gonna clap again yes because <laughs> that's gonna confuse me when i go to edit it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, why is josh like a second behind me yeah okay so it's on the go three two one go okay right, <laughs> into it, it so yeah so you know what what do you think of spider-man oh man i love spider-man oh yeah um you know we we love him in films and tv shows and comics obviously uh but you know where i really love him on broadway <laughs> that's yeah. where everyone loves him the most he's out on the west end yeah so uh yeah just like bit of context i stumbled down a very dark rabbit hole of looking up the Spider-Man musical that came out roughly 10 years ago, though it's been in development for the best part of 15 years now, almost. So, yeah. Just thinking about how long that really is. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's worth thinking about because there have been, in that same 15-year span that, you know, this broadway show has been in production and then died and lived in infamy there have been three different movie spider-man so wait only three well yeah there's been there's um mcguire garfield and holland are we not counting spider-verse oh yeah there's that as well i guess but that's that's long enough after that um that you can sort of look at it as not really in i mean to be fair holland isn't really there isn't that much cut over with holland either but yeah, I, don't know. And, and I say that because that's, that's ignoring all of the TV series that came out within that time as well. Yeah, true. There's well, anyway, I thought that would be a good introduction, but it turns out it was misconceived. So much like <laughs> this show, segue. So I'm going to open with a question that um that I feel has to be asked because I don't think anyone in the process of thinking of this show thought of it, which is. Is this a good idea? A Spider-Man musical. You're asking me if yes, it's a good I'm asking, idea. Based on your opinion, could you see any scenario where a Spider-Man musical could work? Yes. Okay. That's your. That's the detailed response. Oh, so you, you want me to give like a full-on like well, breakdown no, of I the mean, plot of what I would make? You know, you don't necessarily have to, to be fair. That was a lot of me to demand from you in the second I I asked. mean, I can give it a go. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a, there's a lot of potential in, mm. you know, they've made musicals out of uh, Beetlejuice and mean girls yeah and there there are plenty of films that have been made into musicals and i think there are stage performances of spider-man and like avengers stuff that they do at disney Mm -hmm. yes and those sorts of things are always amazing that will actually become relevant again later Uh down the road um but yeah I, i sort of agree i think especially because superheroes are sort of inherently theatrical so it seems like a seems like a good enough setting but I would say you have to be... You can't just approach it in the same way that 
at that point. So this sort of this whole process started in 2005. So you can't just think, okay, let's just do what the Raimi movies did. And no, because you know because they're, they're, be... they're a campy fun, but they're also like a exactly a, you know the 80s movie kind of campy fun. And they also they also have a lot of sort of CGI to help them put Spider Man on stick. Yeah, on, they on sell screens. a lot of it. Yeah. So. So, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, it was uh, the brainchild of Tony Adams, who was a seasoned Hollywood producer, and he, whether or not he originally pitched the idea, I'm not entirely sure, but he was brought on as a producer to bring the show to life. He was also um, working alongside his protege, David Garfinkel. Now, Garfinkel, yeah, good name, Garfinkel wasn't a producer but he he was a 49 year old entertainment lawyer but the idea was that this was going to be his entry point he would he would shadow uh tony adams and through this learn the tricks of the trade and become a producer by the end of it at, uh, at 49 years old he decided my new calling is yes, to be a producer he got a new lease of life it does scream midlife crisis a bit doesn't it really it does a bit yeah so they brought on to help with the music bono and the edge Mr. The Edge to his employees, I guess. Wait, is, um, am I? Maybe I'm misremembering who the Edge is, but to me, Edge is a suit, is a a wrestler in the WWE. Yeah, they brought on the no. That was the that he's another one on U two who you know. Oh, right. I I forget that U two is a band and not yeah. just Bono four times. <laughs> to be fair, I outside of Bono and the Edge, and I don't know the real name of the Edge I thought or it was Bono. Bono, his sunglasses and the drums. Yes. And, you know, what... <laughs> yeah. That was the entire band. <laughs> That's all of it. I mean, let's face it. I, I was going to say, I can't name any other members of U2. And I, I admit I'm not a huge... And, you know, I'm not the biggest U2 fan, but I also can't, off the top of my head, name anyone other than Bono and The Edge. Yeah, and I couldn't even name The Edge. Yeah. So anyway, at the risk of being sidetracked, um, Julie Taymor was brought on to direct the show, and Taymor has a good career as well. She she adapted The Lion King for Disney when that first came onto Broadway. So oh, so she has a pretty good. That's track a good resume, then. yeah. So and so you know they're all successful people. So they were sort of talking about it in early 2005 and in October 2005 they met to finalize the contracts that would sign them on to do the show and. Now, I'm not sure if this part of the story is galvanised a bit, but it feels very on-brand for what's about to follow. So, apparently, they met in the Edge's apartment, and Edge <laughs> left the room to get a pen for them to sign the contracts. And when he returned to the room, Tony Adams, their producer, was on the floor unresponsive. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was rushed to hospital, where he was pronounced dead, having suffered a massive stroke. So this is this is where we're starting, and if you remember, this is where the information. Oh yeah. So and this it gets worse as well because this is where the info about Garfinkel, you know, who wasn't a producer, who was an an entertainment lawyer aspiring to be a producer, suddenly he is left with complete creative <laughs> control, having never produced anything on Broadway before. It's like before. being a, like a, a medical student, like. <laughs> <laughs> he then gets thrown into a surgery and the room like, and then just goes, all right, perform a heart transplant. And you're like, what? <laughs> Our lead surgeon is sick today and you're the only person <laughs> who can do this. So, yeah, it's 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 not a great start. Um, and it was going to get worse because the aerial stunts that were required, you know, for it to be Spider-Man, um, they 
meant that they had to renovate the theatre they were using. Because, of course, these are stages. They're not really meant to handle big acrobatic displays like yeah. it's, you know, Cirque du Soleil or something. So this immediately created a financial problem because they were renting out these theatres while not performing and also having to essentially reconstruct them specifically for this show. Very process, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that probably doesn't cost anything. And it's you know what's great as well is that it's very quick to do. Yeah, you wouldn't like, have you to know, have planning permission for these decades historic theatres. Yeah, I reckon about half a day's work. Yeah, exactly. Very quick. Apparently the financial backers disagreed because it wasn't long before Garfinkel was replaced as oh, lead that's producer. So sad. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, he didn't last long, sadly. But by Michael Cole, who I don't, you know, is a pretty solid Broadway producer, from what I know. I'm not an expert on the subject, but, you know, it seems fine, generally. They tried to cover up this news of production changes by announcing the casting. <laughs> um, Starring so a new producer, Lucardi- but ignore that. Yes. He is the new actors in the roles. So as Spider-Man, they have Reeve Carney. As uh, MJ, it's Evan Rachel Wood. Neither of whom I really know, because again, Broadway actors, I'm not... Isn't Evan, expert, isn't but, Evan oh, Rachel Wood, or am I thinking of somebody else, but isn't she the one from Westworld? Um, oh yes, you're right. Yeah, she is. So she was going to be She's Mary in, Jane. She was going to be Mary Jane in the Turn Off the Dark musical. And assume, yes. and like, judging by your tone, I'm assuming she never was. Oh yeah, so, well, you know, there's... Just okay, no spoilers. Yeah. That I get so it. yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm gonna try to keep the details <laughs> under wraps. But I'm inferring except for when I just did when I said um, when I talked in a very sort of doomed tone there. So then they also brought on Alan Cummings as the Green Goblin, which sort of works, I think. No, remind remind me that of Alan. Be, Cummings. That's a very good Alan Cummings. He was um, the, he was Nightcrawler in X Men. Oh, okay. 2. Yeah. Yeah. And, he was, you know, recently he was King James in that episode of Doctor Who, the, the Witchfinders one or whatever. But I think that works because Cummings is He's sort of... He's got a weird you know, face. He, he has enough... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, not Willem Dafoe levels no. of weird, but still pretty good. He has, a you know, a bit of a an air of mystery and threat about him, but also being very extroverted. So he could... I could see that translating to yeah. Broadway. But then not long after it was announced that Wood, that Evan Rachel Wood and Alan Cummings had left the production. Leaving only the so, person yeah. who I don't remember the name of as Spider-Man. Exactly. They did bring on replacements, but they... One of the replacements apparently played the Grinch in a Broadway Broadway run of that. So he went from playing the Grinch to playing the Green I'm, Goblin. I'm just I need to, I need to briefly take a pause because I had no idea that there was a Grinch musical on Broadway either. That's what I'm hearing. So Was was that well received? I don't mean to sidetrack, but I I feel like I need to know. I haven't heard of it until looking this up, so I'm going to assume I'm, it wasn't. I'm going to quickly but, Google it while you keep talking. But who knows? Maybe it was great. I might have missed it. So, the first we get to the first preview show. That's, you know, after after a long sort of production hall where they're trying to get everything in order, we get to the first preview show, which is November 2010. They started 24 minutes late. Always a good start. Many of the sets were only partially built because they hadn't had time to complete everything and map out the geography of the stage. This, mm-hmm. There was a what? This yeah, doesn't sound extremely good. Just because, no, it, again, previously mentioned all of the extensive work that had to be done to the theatres to make all the acrobatics possible, and then a, a, was something yeah. they haven't figured out where all the acrobatics are going to happen. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing, because the, um, at one point, a wire malfunction left one of the actors hanging <laughs> over the audience for eight minutes. <laughs> now, just let's just picture that for a minute, for a second, or rather, eight minutes. I mean... That's a, that's a long time to be suspended over a crowd of people. We've been talking for about... Like ten minutes at this point. Yes. Imagine just I. I wonder if if you're that actor, do you try to strike up a conversation with the audience, or do you just silently hang there? Yeah. Hang your I, head I in feel shame. Like even if you're a performer, it's it's very difficult to come up with eight minutes of material on the spot yeah. when you don't know how long you're going to be up there for. Yeah, you don't want to start a joke and then get pulled. Yeah, I think that would be better if you were just in the middle of a punchline mm. and then you get zipped off. Well, I'm not finished with calamities either, because at one point, Spider, the actor playing Spider-Man got stuck in his harness and couldn't get down, so the crew members had to walk onto the stage to pull him down. Um, oh, this so, yeah, is magical. Sort of broke, this is... Breaks, the, breaks the suspension of... Uh, the poor kids in the audience being like, Why is Spider-Man... Why is he being rescued by that man wearing a crew jacket? Oh god! And then there was there was also backstage drama as well. One of the actors was another actor. There's so many. There was standing backstage when a piece of equipment fell on her and gave her a concussion. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Are you sure that wasn't like someone yeah, when trying I say to, backstage drama, to I, murder her, and it was like a failed murder attempt? Yeah. I mean, when I say backstage drama, I don't mean, like, stars feuding or whatever. It was literally just, no, there was another injury, but it happened off-view yeah, of the they, audience. Yeah, they didn't see it, and therefore it wasn't that bad. Hmm. So, the intermission lasted 40 minutes as well, while they cleaned all of this up. <laughs> I assume you mean the mess, so, not the poor woman who yeah, was hit in the Yeah, the blood, head. probably. Yeah. Well, it could be, maybe. Wiping the blood from backstage, oh, perhaps. It, it only gets worse as well, because... So the show had sort of gained a, you know, it had been in production for a long time, it had gained a level of infamy. So a lot of critics, and they, they'd never invited any critics to an official showing, so a lot of critics had gotten fed up and just bought tickets themselves to the first preview screening, preview screen, preview showing, which was this. <laughs> so most of the leading Broadway critics watched this disaster unfold. That must have been special so for them. With with all... Like, because you yeah. watch so many, like, so with all of this, shows they... <laughs> and, like, so many, like, bad shows, but you, you very rarely see something that's absolutely incredible or absolutely terrible to, like, that much of a mess. Yeah, there is a community, sort of, um, there is a real community to watching something that terrible, I think. Especially because I have some, there are some accounts that say, as I described earlier, when Spider-Man was stuck in his harness and crew members were having to try and pull him down, the audience were cheering and booing whenever they got close to getting him. <laughs> like there were fake gasps when they almost hooked him and pulled him how down. How does that even? How does that? How does that? Like how does the visual language of that? How does that? How does that work? How do they know they were about to get him? Uh, how can they struggle for so long? It's not like a ring toss where like you have to hook a duck or something. Maybe they're not. Maybe they just pull with a big pole and just try to, to grab him out, him out of the sky. sky. Yeah. Come on, Spidey. So anyway, unsurprisingly, the show did not go to straight to Broadway after that. They entered into sort of a you know a preview process where they tried to iron out the many problems of the show. And this is where, on December two thousand and ten, there was another onset injury. And I feel like you might know which one I'm talking about. Because behind the scenes, I showed you a video of this and said, 
Okay, you're going to want to see this. (laughs) I do recall. Because in December 2010, one of the stuntmen who was playing Spider-Man, so the show opens, to put into context, the show opens with Spider-Man on the bridge, on the Brooklyn Bridge, that's it. He's on the Brooklyn Bridge, and MJ is about to fall to her doom, and he's supposed to yell. He's running across the bridge and yells, Mary Jane! And then he jumps off the bridge and a harness will catch him and swing him across (laughs) the stage. So all of that happened except for the up to the harness bits so he jumped off the stage and the harness didn't catch him and and he fell 30 feet from above the stage into the orchestra pit and it's because he fell into the orchestra it makes it so much funnier so um so yeah not a great they the producers of the show the producers of the show were fined twelve thousand dollars for this onset injury it's a miracle only he was hurt to be fair yeah you'd think there would be way more like a saxophone player or yeah just so good uh so apparently (laughs) and i will you know the the video of it is still one of the funniest things i've ever seen because he, the show starts pretty seriously. You know, he's it's a slow motion running. He's doing all the proper movements. Well, I imagine it's like very similar to the, the actual film moment, which is an incredible moment. Like where it's all yeah. slow mo. You see it in both well, of his eyes. Like you see what he needs to choose. And I don't think yeah, they yeah. could do. I don't think they managed to it's, pull it's that, that trick on, it's that on the atmosphere. stage. But yeah, it it has all the story weight of that moment in you know in the film. <laughs> And then, but instead of swinging, he just sort of <laughs> falls. Merge it! You know. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's not, it's not ideal, really. Uh, so it got, apparently, apparently behind the scenes at this point, they had all but sort of given up hopes of this being successful. And their main goal was to sell it as an arena tour to Vegas. Which is what I said earlier, because... Marvel do, you know, shows. They do live shows and things like that. But they're all in big arena venues. They're not on stage because that's much more suited to the special effects things they have to do. Yeah, it makes sense. I've seen clips of those kinds of shows and they look relatively impressive. Yeah. So it's... Yeah, generally it's not that going well for the whole Turn Off the Dark crew. And it's about to get worse because their director, Julie Taymor, left the production um, and then she ended up taking them to court wanting royalties and a director's fee because she alleged that the producers had used her as a scapegoat for the show's various problems. Did did they? That they had essentially lumped all of the blame with her and, you know, essentially sort of, you know, tainted her reputation a bit in Broadway. I imagine, yeah, I imagine that probably did. And it's like, oh, you, you did you did the Lion King, but didn't you also do the Spider-Man thing? Do that turn off the dark one. So you did the show that had two different jokes in it from two different Tony Awards, both hosted by Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if, I'm not sure if these are consecutive years, but I distinctly remember he tells 
a joke in one opening monologue and then there's another one he does where he also tells a joke about Turn Off the Dark and how it hasn't reached Broadway I recall yet. the, I think it was the Tonys where Neil Patrick Harris like entered the show from above, upside down. Ab- yeah, that yeah. was one of them. That, I think that was 2010. And then there's, yeah, and then there's another one where he's singing a song about the magic of Broadway and theatre and he talks about a spider facing death-defying budget overruns. <laughs> So, I keep saying so a lot because everything leads yeah, into each other. one big calamity. Yeah. They, in total, they had 182 preview showings. It premiered on June 2011, 16 months after its original planned oh opening date. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so I should. I didn't mention earlier, that initial showing they had on December 2010, that was also late. That was also far later than they originally planned. It, But, against all the odds, they did actually manage to get some consistently sold-out showings. Uh, well, surely just because people wanted to see the train wreck. Exactly, yes. It gained such a reputation that they ended up... This is what I meant earlier with the community of watching something terrible. Most Broadway nuts especially wanted to see the train wreck for themselves. I'm getting real um, the producers vibes from this. From like, it's, Maybe they were trying to make it the worst thing possible so that it could be a flop. So that they could make loads of money from it. It was all actually just a money laundering scheme. Yeah, the whole and time. then it turned out to be a huge success and then it all failed because it was a success. Well... Mm, you say that's almost accurate up to the point where you say it ends up being a huge success but no to be fair because it did it did run for a while uh in september it ran long enough that in september 2013 their main actor of spider-man whose name i've already forgotten (laughs) i'm very sorry reeve carney that was it he was replaced in the lead role and not out of any injury just out of i have been doing this for long enough now i'll hand it off to another person that's fair yeah so but that's the you know it ran long enough for them to go through multiple spider-man but then sadly in january 2014 it finally closed now initially that doesn't seem too bad because you think well 2011 to 2014 three-year run on broadway that's, that's pretty good that's pretty good and to, oh yeah another thing about the show is some have speculated that the reason it closed some have put it down to diminishing returns but on an unrelated note, in 2014, their insurance expired and they might not have been able to afford another a reclaim on it. That so makes a lot of sense. Trying to renew their insurance might have actually been difficult for them to a point where it was easier just to close the show. Oh, God. They, all in all, because of the massive budget requirements that were taken and because the show had been in production hell for so long... Uh, it was estimated that recouping its budget would have required a seven-year sold-out run. Jesus. Yeah, it's not ideal, really. And it it was an estimated loss of $60 million. On Broadway, that's that's huge. Yeah, Broadway standards. For, For Hollywood, that might be... I mean, that's still very bad. Yeah, but that's like, oh man, we we probably won't make a sequel to this. It's not, oh my god. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, and that is basically the whole story of its production. Now, there are a few parts of the script that I sort of want to draw attention to because, as you know, we're both Spider-Man fans. We both sort of, I like to think we have a good understanding of the character and know what works about him. We're we're both... um... Uh, young white men and therefore the archetype that Peter Parker represents and therefore we relate to him so 
Exactly. We love him. Can't relate to anything else. <laughs> Never. So, as I already said, uh, but the curious thing about this is that there are two different versions of the script that were used because the Broadway, the um, the preview screening was preview screening. I keep saying screening. I need showing. The preview showing was too was so lengthy that they were ironing out the script problems as it went along, and also because they had two different directors then there was a distinctly different tone in Julie Taymor's script to whoever the next well, guy was. You could go was. and watch it twice then and get a completely different experience. You could have. Could have had a completely different show. So one thing that... So apparently Taymor wanted to approach it in the sense of viewing superheroes as the modern Greek myth. Okay. Which isn't, you know, I'm. it's not... I don't think it's an inherently bad angle, but I... I will say I don't think it's one that works for Spider-Man. Yeah. Because if you think about if you think about what matters in terms of Spider-Man, it's always the relatability. Yeah, his whole it. deal is literally what I said a second ago is that like everybody relates to him. He's the most relatable superhero of all time. Yeah, exactly. So trying to frame him in this very broad allegorical, you know, myth-like manner just seems very misguided. Yeah. I think. And I say this because um, in Tamor's script, Tamor's script features what she calls the Geek Chorus, which is supposed to be like a Greek chorus, which in, you know, traditional ancient Greek plays would basically recap and narrate the story as it was happening for the audience. So a large chunk of this script has the story keeps being interrupted by this troop of characters who just tell us what's happening. Right. Well... don't feel like that yeah. doesn't really have a place in like in the modern Broadway scene. I feel yeah, especially when it's just people wearing glasses with tape down the middle, um, going like, uh, so you see, Spider Man has successfully killed the Green Goblin by shafting him with a knife. I assume <laughs> that's what the plot is. If it's yeah, if they're well, going full on yeah. Greek with it, you know, there's got to be a lot of murder. True, yeah. If it's murder and mayhem and actually it's stabbings, I was trying to. I was trying to think of a way to very quickly appropriate it to Oedipus Rex suddenly. Yeah, I don't think... Although in a, in a weird way, the, the comics sort of had that storyline with um, that time that it was revealed that Norman had sex we'll, we'll, with Gwen. No, no, we will avoid that because we oh, don't okay. want to talk about we'll that. We'll never talk about that. That's just a big old yep. nope. So, oh damn, I did it again. So... It opens, as I already said, the opening scene is with MJ suspended from the bridge, and it literally, the the action stops dead as this happens. Because he fell into the orchestra. Spider-Man is swinging to save her. It It's an unironic, yeah, that's me. You're probably <laughs> wondering how I got here. Not, not worded in exactly that way, but it is literally, Spider-Man is about to save MJ, flashback. So, and then it goes to the the aforementioned Geek Chorus, who tell the story of Arachne, who's a Greek myth, who basically, you know, is this beautiful girl and was transformed into a hideous spider monster thing. Right. Yeah, good allegories there. Yeah. And it dissolves, this cuts to uh, Peter in high school, he's giving a presentation on Arachne, and his questions... And, you know, his whole conduct is so good that the teacher assigns the entire class a 10-page essay on Arachne. Wow. Which, and, and I'm not, I know that's a very small detail, I won't go over everything in that much, but it just stood out to me as, that's a dick move by that teacher. Yeah, because, like, no one's going to be like, 
You're right, Peter is so cool. He's so smart. We love getting more work to do. It's like going, hey, beat up this kid. He likes arachne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, there's, you're telegraphing everyone to bully him, basically. <laughs> to be fair, that does seem a bit on brand for what Peter's life is like before he's Spider-Man. It's so comically geared towards him having a terrible, terrible life. That, to be fair, that is something that I... I recently rewatched the first Raimi movie, and that did occur to me. It's not just that everyone in that film is dismissive of Peter. They seem to actively hate they him. They actively enjoy him question, suffering. Even the bus yeah, driver. Which begs the question, yeah, what did he do? He just existed. Or maybe he made, yeah, gave them but, a 10-page essay on Arachne. Yeah, maybe that was it. Yeah. You know, so we get an insight into Peter's life. He's He has a crush on this girl, MJ, but she's dating... Flash Thompson. That's going a you bit know, off, classic off Spider-Man the bat, yeah. setup there. Yeah, there's they they share Peter and MJ share a duet at one point early on in the film. Early on in the film, the musical. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's centered around this idea that they can relate over their troubles at home because you see Peter doesn't get along that well or doesn't always get along with his uncle Ben and MJ's dad is straight up yeah, abusive. Yeah, he, he full on. Yeah. is bad so i'm not sure i'm not sure if that's an equatable <laughs> sometimes my that. uncle says mean things and i get sad he asked me to clean my room and then mj's like yeah. my dad hit me <laughs> yeah and then it unfolds in the way we expect a, a spider bite you know a field trip to oscorp bitten by a spider but then this and this is where this is the first instance of the chorus sort of undermining a lot of the dramatic moments because the geek chorus interrupts this big dramatic high point in the story with a discussion over whether or not peter being bitten was a fate or accident right yeah and this is this is a problem that's going to keep coming up through this script as well because you have this thing of every again it follows the blueprint of the film but in and the comic obviously as well but in every big dramatic moment it's undercut with this weird meta attempt to discuss how our society perceives heroes and you think normally it's better if you just do that through the action yeah we don't need you literally telling us that you're telling us something yeah there are there is one very interesting change um Flash and it ties in yeah a brunette <laughs> <laughs> it it ties into it's it sort of starts from you know familiar in a familiar way Peter wants a car to impress Mary Jane, so he goes wrestling to win a prize and get it. Of course, and um, he ends up on the, the wrong side of history. Well, <laughs> well uh, oh, let me describe what happens next. So, Peter goes to the wrestling match, you know, Please, um, please tell me Bonesaw is there. But, <laughs> um, as far as I'm aware, Bonesaw is not No, Bonesaw is <laughs> not ready. <laughs> what happens next is... Peter is walking home, Peter's on his way home, and then he sees a thief attempting to steal Flash's car. And the thief breaks in, breaks into the car, is about to steal it, and then Ben, Uncle Ben from inside the house, sees the thief and tries to pursue him. Which, I don't know how that's going to work out, because the thief already has Flash's car. Uncle Ben has got super speed, did you not know that? (laughs) He he can run real fast. 
And then this next bit is very confusing to me because so Ben is trying to pursue the thief and stop him and is then run over. Okay, I, so, I can I can perceive so, a way in which that could happen, but I don't no, think it's the, the way that it happens. But because here's the thing, I don't have it written in the notes I took. It's not fully clear whether if if Ben is hit by the thief in the car or if he just goes out onto the road and is hit by another <laughs> random car. I do like the idea of that. He's like, hey, wait, stop, and then hit by a random car that just comes out of nowhere, yeah. and that is what motivates Peter because he's like, traffic is my enemy now. <laughs> That's the thing, though. It's equally weird if the thief turns around just to run Ben over because he's like, <laughs> you, well, you annoyed I'm by me the slightly, state, but you I don't. fancy. Yeah, I fancy adding murder to my list of charges if I'm caught, even though I'm already technically away. I mean, he's only chasing after me. I don't know why I need to run him down because he's not going to catch me. I assume that Peter is given the opportunity to stop this thief to begin with. No. Well, maybe. I don't know. Again, it's very unclear if... And I know I'm only reading the script, so maybe there's something that's lost in translation here. But I don't know if it does give Peter that moment. Because that's the whole crux of the whole thing. I know. This is the point. It's it's very odd. And then, so anyway, as, as, as Peter is market. grieving, as Peter is grieving over his dead uncle, he is visited by Arachne in a dream. Oh, this is where oh things get weird. God. <laughs> yeah, who who gives him the idea to use his powers and fight crime, and she specifically gives him a Spider-Man suit. I... She... Yeah, I, the iconic spider design. Was it's ridiculous enough that he sews it himself. Like, that's yeah. that's campy and that's weird. But if a... Maybe if they a, thought that was too ridiculous. So they went for the thought, Greek myth we'll spider lady. She, she webs it yeah. together with her, with her web, like, because she's a spider with creature. magic... And yeah. she's like, I made it red and blue because I know you like red and blue. Yeah. It's your favourite colour scheme. <laughs> it's got a little spider on the chest because, like, we're best buds, right? It's like arachne on your chest all the time. Yeah. Peter then becomes a photographer for, you know, everyone's favourite newspaper Oh, he editor. becomes a photographer? I thought he would already be a photographer. Maybe that's set up. I don't know. The, to be fair, it's not that yeah, hard maybe. to set up a photographer. You could just have him holding a camera. It doesn't have to be noted yeah. in a script necessarily. This his new I guess. Peter's new job impresses MJ, so they start going out. Or they start hanging out at least. Oh. Yeah, which makes MJ look very shallow because she was then attracted to Flash yeah. because he has a car, but now Peter's got a job, so I guess he's the more important and one. And Flash doesn't have he a doesn't car. Have Remember, a car. Flash doesn't he have doesn't a car anymore because it was it's so been detained as it a was stolen. <laughs> yeah, it's got blood yeah. all over and a, a Ben all over. Yeah, um, so then Norman Osborn, uh, we cut back to him. He's testing experiments on himself. He accidentally kills his wife. He goes insane, becomes the Green Goblin, starts murdering Oscorp board members for revenge. You know, this is all fairly standard. A pleasant yeah. surprise. He then, Green Goblin kidnaps Mary Jane. There's an epic battle between him and Spider-Man, which is interrupted by the Geek Chorus, everyone's favourite components. <laughs> Um, who take as and I again I don't know if this is I like to think they're just talking while this is all happening in the background 
like Spider-Man and Green Goblin are having this epic duel <laughs> and they're pondering how will how will Spider-Man get out of this one? Tune in next yeah. week, folks. It feels like that. Like if they did it in that way, if they did it almost in that kind of like Stanley kind of comic booky kind of way, I could almost see it working. Potentially. Like, I don't think that, that, that it does work no. at all, but I think that there is a realm in which that could work if you played it off as, like, the narrator. Yeah. Instead of feel a more, geek Then it chorus. would feel more in tune with, sort of, the Spider-Man 67 cartoon. Yeah, exactly. It would be. It would feel like it was truthful to a, a source yeah, material definitely. instead of just none mm. of them. Well, you know, the answer to how will Spidey get out of this one is that Green Goblin falls to his death, Spider-Man saves MJ... And she asks who he is, and he says, I'm your friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. And he swings off into the night. <laughs> End of Act 1. Yeah. <laughs> <You'd> th- <laughs> you would think that was the end point of your play. You've done the basic Spider-Man story there. But no. <laughs> because, and I know, bearing in mind what we've heard already, take this very carefully. Act 2 is when things get weird. Yeah, I'm very excited for Act 2 Act 2 opens with and remember, sorry, I just want to pause this is what the preview audiences were seeing most of this had been revised by the time it actually became open to the public I just love the idea that a a huge fan of Spider-Man came to this as like the preview screening was like I'm so excited well I imagine most of the people who did go to see it were Spider-Man fans potentially yeah like there were there were people who enjoyed the film to the the very least yeah oh wow anyway act two opens with the geek chorus and they're asking and they're pondering to themselves and the audience who is Spider-Man's ultimate enemy and they introduce a lot in in a whole in a himself. whole like musical sequence, they introduce a number of new villains that could be Spider-Man's ultimate energy an energy enemy. So they introduce Craven, Electro, Swarm, Lizard, Carnage, and Swiss Miss. And if you're thinking, I if Excuse you're thinking, me? <laughs> I have no idea who that is, then that's because Swiss Miss is an original villain made for the musical. So yeah, what do, what do you think of that? I'm yeah. sold. I'm sold on this villain. Swiss yes. Miss. So is that like someone who's like their power is putting holes in I'm, things? I'm not fully sure. Like the cheese race? Um, well, the the weird thing is they essentially have a Sinister Six there, but then they're immediately defeated by but with Smith But with Swiss Miss? Yeah. Swiss Miss, that well-known Sinister Six member, Swiss Miss. Because you've also got Craven, Electro, Swarm, Lizard, and, and oh yeah, and another interesting thing I said, and I forgot... They introduce Carnage as a villain, which seems very backwards because they've made no mention of Venom or symbiotes. Or... Yeah, the whole the whole deal about Carnage is that it's basically Venom without any yeah. humanity. But you know, whatever. Um, oh yeah, and it's at this point they one villain that they leave out, and I think is a big sort of mistake on their part. Why didn't they just go with Mysterio? And I don't just mean for the sequence, I mean for the whole... They didn't want to make it ridiculous. the whole production, because your villain is literally a theatrical performer. That would be... Surely that would translate to stage better than any other villain. Yeah. 
it came it probably came from a time where the only depictions of Mysterio were absolutely ridiculous. Um, and they didn't want the musical to seem so they ridiculous. We'll go with Swiss so instead, instead, they went for the <laughs> they went for the even yeah. more ridiculous versions. Oh, so yeah, um, Arachne. Yeah, Arachne is still up to her old tricks, invading Peter's dreams. She's classic. Yeah, Peter is overrun with stress about being Spider-Man to a point where he decides to quit. So you know, this sounds familiar. Yeah, exactly. But we're. It sounds almost like they're trying to run through all three films in the space of a single play. Yeah, in in a very in a shorter time as well. Yeah, like a shorter time than one of the films. Yeah, when Peter quits, this makes Arachne very angry um, because she doesn't want to live in a world that doesn't have. Spider-Man. I made you a suit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're going to throw it away. Yeah, and she devises a plan to have every villain attack the city at once. So, so Arachne is like an actual sentient being. Well, that's being. this I is the she thing. She has like... had. She gave. It's sort of implied that she visits Peter in his dreams, but she also seems to have a tactile relation with him because she gave him his. Yeah, because she can give him the suit. Yeah, and now is planning what villains to send to him. And do they obey her? Is she yeah, the Spider God of just all... the villains? Like, do the villains all go, I like spiders, I just don't like Spider-Men. Oh, yeah. I prefer my spider people if they're sort of Greek men. Spider-women. Yes. Spider-Greek women. Yes. So, yeah, and I've said it again. So, so it just, it's it's with a very defeated sigh. It's like, okay, so, yeah, the next thing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's various story elements there, and... Peter is sort of working through his issues, and at a certain point, this this isn't as sudden as I'm making it sound, but I'm skipping through the essentials, because at one point, Peter realises that if MJ loves him, he can go on being Spider-Man, free from pressure, and free from any, you know, worry about something happening to her, I guess. What? what? That, that's, that's the logic it has in these notes, so... Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna assume what they meant was the whole deal that, because obviously in Spider-Man Two he's worried about being Spider-Man because he's missing out on Mary Jane's life. Yeah, but in this one it's and it's so more framed as the pressure getting him down. He's like, oh, this yeah. is this is a tough day. This is stressful, yeah. huh? I've been Spider-Man for a whole two I had days. No idea and... trying to fight crime through all of New York would be this tiring. Yeah, I killed the Green Goblin, and the next day I got a bit tired, so I thought, nah. Yeah, well, Arachne decides that the only way to lure Peter back and to force him to be Spider-Man is to do the very original villain move of kidnapping Mary Jane. Well, and again, I just want to... I feel like I'm focusing too much on Arachne, but, like, why does she want him to be Spider-Man? So, what, like... What what does she gain from that, and why would she attack this? Why would she? Because she's a villain, but she wants the hero to to win. Basically, it's it's a little confusing at this point. I'll I'll grant you that, but all will be explained in their final confrontation. I say all. <laughs> some some will be explained in their final confrontation. But what I find interesting about the second act is that it's in this Spider Man play is that the main development and all the main story beats and 
everything is centered around Arachne far more than Peter. No, because Peter had his act. Yeah, exactly. Act one was Peter's act. This is all about Arachne yeah. now. We're here to teach the kids about Greek myths, not about Spider-Man. We, we tricked you. We got you in the seat. Now we're going to teach you about Arachne. Yeah. It, this was all just a lesson. We're, we're all really sat in Peter's presentation at the start of the play. Oh my god, that would be an amazing twist. <laughs> I guess the real Spider-Man was what we learned about Arachne <laughs> on the way. <laughs> the, the, real, the real Arachne was the friends we made yeah. along the way. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But no, we got no time for friends because Arachne has kidnapped MJ and lured Peter into a trap. And she asks him to stay in... So they sort of fight in this weird, dark realm where Arachne is living. It's it's very odd. And this, this yeah. sort of contributed to why... Because remember, the stage play was already difficult enough to conceive of without having to think, okay, let's have an interdimensional battle with two characters swinging over the audience and and strobe lights and ev- one of whom is ha- is a half mutant spider woman like <laughs> oh wow it's ambitious i'll give him that so yeah, peter, i like where the head was at yeah peter agrees to arachne's terms to save so he sacrifice he you know he pledges his allegiance to stay with her to save mj because the reason so this is where we get arachne's motives where because she is a she's always been alone as a spider person she's never had anyone to share in her in her experiences of being half spider but now she has peter and she's like if you carry on being spider-man then we can share in each other's misery forever so you oh. know that's yeah but i th- i but spider-man happy <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Spider-Man to be not wanting to be Spider-Man for that long. I want him to be like, oh man, being Spider-Man kind of sucks, but really, I do it for the love of the city, and then he becomes Spider-Man, and he's like, everything's great, I love being Spider-Man. I don't want him to be like, I hate everything. Yeah, and I know, considering, I know this is a very rushed, rushed play, but there's no, considering he quits, you don't really get that euphoric moment of when he returns and it's a big you know yes moment instead he's just sort of yeah. there he he immediately comes he, back like, and it, then travels to another dimension to fight arachne it feels like the ending of amazing spider-man 2 where like you get five minutes yeah. where he's not spider-man and then you're like well i don't feel any of this it, it should be like the end of act one he stops being spider-man yeah and then at the end of Act 2, he is well, Spider-Man again. I can't remember exactly, but I think in Spider-Man 2, it's something like 40 minutes of that film, he's not Spider-Man. Which is a, yeah, it's a significant yeah. amount of time. And that's what makes it so good when he does come back. It's like, yeah, Spider-Man's back! Yeah. And you and you feel it. It's you a feel dramatic the joy that everyone else film, feels. Whereas here, it's just sort of, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, and he's miserable yeah. for being Spider-Man because he's he's attributed to, uh, to Arachne. Yeah. And that's the other thing, because she is both sort of the the architect of his origin, but also the one who now wants to take him away from the world. Yeah. Why wouldn't she just... If she can make... Like, well, it makes it sound like that she made him Spider-Man. But if she could, like, appear to him in his dreams, why wouldn't she just be like... Be Spider-Man. Come with me. Oh, that, yeah. Or, or just, you know, yeah, be here and we'll be happy together. But you won't yeah, be happy just, together. Or any, that like, there's so many better ways. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I know you're on the edge of the seat of your seat to find out how this conflict resolves, but Arachne. So yeah, Peter pledges himself to Arachne, and he has a heartfelt goodbye to MJ, and says, you know, I'm never going to see you again because I got to be with my weird spider girlfriend now. And then Arachne, <laughs> seeing the love between MJ and Peter, changes her mind, and she's like, actually, now nah, you can go. So yeah. Well, well, the the way the the way the script words it is that seeing the love between MJ and Peter makes her realize that there is still humanity, even if you are cursed to be a half spider. Well, Except Peter isn't a half spider; he just has the powers of a yeah. spider. So that's she's probably just really jealous of him because she she knows that if she brought him back, she'd be jealous of him the entire time because he got the best version of her deal ever. Yeah, like he got to be himself, but stronger buffer better in every mm. way and also get the spider powers and she got turned into a gross mutant yeah <laughs> and she's like how dare you i do, i've decided i don't want to spend my time with you because i this is some bs like i'm not okay with this so well yeah and so oh i said it again i need to stop if you just stop acknowledging it then it'll be it fine will, yeah but then i feel like someone will acknowledge it and it'll be even weirder or we can just edit all of Maybe. this out later who knows um you we can i will i'm giving yeah i'm kind of throwing you under the bus there <laughs> but anyway in the last moments of the play oh yeah arachne realizes her own humanity and then ascends out of the darkness to the heavens <laughs> that and I'm sure it looked oh, it incredible. Looked Mate, uh, it doesn't say. I like to think this was the moment where... Because it was the actress who played Arachne who was suspended over the audience for eight minutes. I like to imagine it was I, this moment. Yes, definitely. <laughs> she was like, surely there is humanity left in the world. Farewell now, you two. Oh. Oh. Um. Help. <laughs> <laughs> just, a, just a solitary yeah. help. <laughs> assistance required anyone anyone here to help Arachne <laughs> Arachne needs assistance <laughs> this all leaves MJ and Spider-Man on their own and MJ says that she he reveals that he is Peter to her and MJ wait so how oh, go on. Um, so Arachne saw the love between Spider-Man and MJ yes before Peter revealed himself to be Spider-Man. Yeah. So MJ is still a really shallow person. Yeah. Because she's just she like, only... the superhero Spider-Man, I love yeah. him. I don't care about my boyfriend, Peter. She only realises at the end, there's no hint of her always having known or anything. It's just like, yep, that's it. Oh my god, it's Takes Peter. Takes the mask off and she's like, what? Yeah. That's that's a really pleasant surprise. Thank God I'm not cheating on my yeah. boyfriend. Um, but MJ agrees to stand by Peter through his Spider-Manning activities and he swings away into the city and that is the real end of the play. So yeah, but as I... I feel like you could have just cut out that entire second yeah. act and it would be the exact same well, play. Yeah, and that's the thing because of course this was the original script and this was very heavily revised as they went through the preview screening to a point where, like you just said... By the time they reached the actual... By the time that, you know, Tamor had been fired and someone else was brought on to revise and edit the script and make changes to it, so that by the time they actually reached Broadway, the most of the second act was gone, essentially. 
Arachne. I, I'm I'm very much Arachne okay with that. was complete was almost completely gone from the plot. She's still used, but in a much more allegorical sense, sort of as this. That that sounds yeah. better. And the geek chorus were gone completely. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I, I'm in two minds of it really because the part of me that wants for it to be good, for wants this to be a, like a good Spider-Man musical, it wants all of these things gone. The part of me that wants it to be an absolute train wreck because it'd be funnier. Yeah. Wants to keep all the in the, all of this but intact. But also, part of me does think if you're gonna make a Spider-Man Broadway show. Go all out, but maybe this is too. I changed my mind. Maybe this is too all out. Yeah, I feel like all out is one thing, and then going in a completely different direction is another. Yeah, thing. like my idea of all out was, as I said earlier, you know, use a villain like Mysterio, who's big and theatrical, and yeah, and you can play with perception yeah. for. And what even the if the effects and... do look a little shaky and not entirely convincing, it's fine because Mysterio himself is is an actor. It's all a performance. Yeah, it works, and you can even break the fourth wall at points with Mysterio. Like, there's there's elements that you can work with. Yeah. That. So I won't I won't go through the final script in as much detail because it's mostly it's similar plot beats but with certain aspects removed. Uncle Ben is no longer run over but is shot by the carjacker <laughs> this time. <laughs> yeah, you forgot about that, didn't you? Actually, oh yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to say because I at, okay, so surely on stage it is far easier to show someone being shot than it is to have yeah. them be run over with a car i wonder if they had maybe they just showed it with headlights uh like on the back of the stage and they were dramatic about it and then the guy playing uncle ben was attached to wires and then just <laughs> flipped up into the sky <laughs> as he was hit by the car it's it's just that you don't even need to show you don't even need to show Ben being injured or whatever. You can just... Peter can just walk hear out, a gunshot. see a crowd of people. Oh, who are they gathered around? Oh, no, it's my Uncle Ben. That's it. Yeah, you don't even have to have that. It could literally just... You hear a gunshot, and then... You you like you even just hear Peter go, like, say, Uncle Ben, and be sad. Yeah. You don't even have to see it. Yeah. It's in, it can be implied. Into the Spider-Verse does it with a single visual motif. And I know yeah. that movie came out at a time when we were all maybe way more familiar as a society, way more familiar with Spider-Man's origin because it had been done a hundred times by then. But, you know, they just show, they have that line, they show Uncle Ben saying that line, with great power comes great responsibility, and then they sort of show him walking off into the lights, and that's it. And you get it. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. But no, in this we've got to have an extended chase sequence and... <laughs> uh uh so instead of this in i think a good that's the other thing as well they were originally going to cast alan cummings to die at the end of act one yeah <laughs> you know uh, they're gonna bring him in the big star big star at the time as well yeah. because he was on the back definitely. of coming off the x-men mm. so he's huge and they were going to be like so we want you to be in the first act and then we want we you, want to, you die, to die that's and then it. never come back mm. So, yeah, arguably the biggest change is, with no Arachne, Green Goblin basically fills in the villain role in the second act. He doesn't... The first act ends with Norman becoming the Green Goblin, which is structurally, I think, is much more sound. Makes so much more yeah. sense. You can devote the first act to Peter becoming Spider-Man, and then the second act begins with, right, here are the here's the conflict. Yeah, that's the fight. Because um, there's an interesting element to Gob Green Goblin's plan, because 
in Act 2, he he wants to genetically alter the entire population of New York to make them like himself. And that's interesting because that's very much what the Lizard's plan is in Amazing Spider-Man, which yeah. came out, uh, uh, yeah, two years afterwards. Huh. Yeah. So... It, mm. Mark Webb, you son of a... <laughs> yeah. And, and then the rest of the plot unfolds very similarly, basically. Except instead of, you know, Peter takes a break from being Spider-Man and then, you know, later decides actually being Spider-Man was good, I should do it again. Then the Green Goblin appears on TV, threatens Spider-Man's loved ones. He, the Goblin reveals at one point that he has kidnapped Mary Jane because of course he has. And then there's a big fight. Yeah. The, the way Goblin dies is very interesting because, you know, I want you to cast your mind to the film and the dramatic nature of that death. Oh. Yeah, yeah. When it's like, oh. So in this stage play, Don't tell yeah. Harry. In this stage play, the goblin is playing a grand piano when Peter comes to fight him, and he's playing the grand piano on top of the Chrysler building. <laughs> and then, how how the battle is won is Peter webs the goblin to the grand piano and kicks it off without, the building. No, no, the goblin kicks it off the building, but he doesn't know he's tied to it. So he he isn't aware that Peter is webbed into the piano. So he throws the piano off the roof, only to then realise, oh no, <laughs> Yoink. That's, that's a whole different kind of oh moment, really. Just imagine, imagine. I, just love, yeah. it. I love these playing like Camp Town Racers <laughs> on the piano and like waiting for Spider Man to turn up, and then he's like, ah, Spider Man, we finally meet. Yeah, I'll just get rid of this piano. Wait, what's that noise? No, ah! no I like to imagine it with um. The same tone that Willem Dafoe took, but just instead of being hit by the glider, he's just pulled down by a grand piano. So he's yeah, like, he sees the rope tightening, yeah. like, so like even the web exact going off the same end, dialogue like, as well. Like he kicks it off the building. Oh. He's like, "God speed, Spider Man!" And then suddenly, oh, and then plummets to his death. <laughs> he's he's holding onto the edge of the building, like holding on for dear life, and he's like, "Don't tell yeah. Harry." <laughs> Oh yeah, Harry is very absent from this play as well. That's another thing. Well, I I get, I kind of get why. Even though he's like, you know, the whole crux of it is that he's fighting his best friend's dad, and that's kind of like the drama of it. But I get yeah. it. Um, something that's interesting about this whole process as well. Oh yeah, and so the rest of the plot unfolds with the way you'd expect. Peter MJ tells Peter she loves him. She this time they distinctly put in the script that she knows he's Spider Man. She's like, I always yeah. knew. I kind of always knew. Yeah, and and then he swings off. <laughs> and but uh, throughout the whole midway through the production of this nightmare, there was a very in, very significant development, which was that Disney bought Marvel because when they started the process, Disney hadn't yet bought them, and then midway through, of course, in, yeah. in the middle of their production troubles, Disney stepped in to buy Marvel. And then proceeded to do little to nothing about it. Turn off the dark as it went through the rest <laughs> of this nightmare. <laughs> I love the idea that like they were in a meeting and they got the phone call and they were like, "Did you not see? Did you see the news? Disney bought Marvel. We're saved. We're saved." <laughs> and then like the the next day they're like, "We we were yeah. saved." Uh, it was it's Ron Howard just goes over it just going. They yeah. were not safe. <laughs> yeah, because literally the biggest entertainment company in the world had 
they, you know, endless streams of money at their disposal that they could sink into this, and they chose not to. And they still didn't while, want to. And all the while, of course, Disney, because again, we bring it up, Disney have their own live shows of Marvel. Yeah. And at no point did they send anyone in to try and coordinate this or save it or salvage it in any way. They just sort of let it run its course. Uh, no, not for, not for us. You keep yeah. going. And when it fails, we'll do something well, else. Shortly after the, shortly after it initially hit Broadway, uh, Alan Cumming did an interview with The Guardian, and he was asked about, so, you know, that big Spider-Man disaster that you were going to be a part of has finally come out. And he responded with, my God, that was a lucky escape. Jesus Christ. Talk about dodging a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> He, and then whoever wrote the article adds in the extra detail, he says, eyes wide. <laughs> oh, that's very yeah. funny. It, it kept getting delayed and delayed, and so I was like, okay, time to move on. And, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, and I, you know, I think as much as I feel sorry for everyone involved in this production, I do think, I do have to agree with Mr. Alan Cumming and think, yeah, he did probably dodge a bullet with that one. Yeah, certainly. Like, you know that there was somebody in there, that that was their first gig, there was the, that was their first big break, yeah, and they thought they but, made it. That, oh. But, damn, that's funny. Oh, yeah, because, in, interesting side note, the, the stuntman who fell into the orchestra pit ended up returning to the production. That wasn't <laughs> enough. Once his, you know, injuries had healed, <laughs> that wasn't enough. <laughs> To send him away forever. It was an honest mistake. It happens to yeah, everyone. Happens on your average Broadway show, I guess. <laughs> We've all fallen into the orchestra once or twice. Yeah. Hmm. So that was the sorry tale of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Without question, the best of all the Spider-Man adaptations. Yeah. Um, Reeve, Reeve Carney? Was that what his Carney. name was? I think so, yeah. Reeve Carney. It's superior Spider-Man. Confirmed. Yeah, it is uh, unfortunate for Tom Holland. He's a lovely yeah. lad, but he'll never reach the peaks of Mary Jane! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> the, he's never fallen into an orchestra, and therefore he's a worse Spider-Man. They did try to promote it to some degree, because they got... Uh, to be fair, I say Disney didn't step in. unless I'm Unless I'm confusing it with another network... Disney owns the network that Dave Letterman's show used to air on, and so they did give Green Goblin an appearance, a musical appearance, on the Letterman show to sing the song. <laughs> and it is so surreal to watch the Green Goblin in full Broadway makeup singing his weird rock ballad about how evil he is while a uh, bewildered Dave Letterman is in the background wondering what he's watching. I really like the idea that he had no idea that he thought it was just going to be a regular musical guest. Yeah. And they just it came out in the full gear and he was like, I, yeah. I was not aware of any of this. And this is this. just a few years before he retired, so this is old man Letterman. This is at the height of, I don't understand young people anymore. I think he, he that's what probably made him think about <laughs> retiring. He was like, maybe I'm, I don't maybe I'm not for this, this anymore. anymore. <laughs> Things are too different yeah. for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Any closing thoughts then? Um, We've run so far over time. Hopefully this will be a bit shorter in uh, 
we'll, yeah. we'll see. Um, I think overall, 10 out of 10 musical, would watch again. Mm-hmm. Would love to see a live recording of it. Would love for them to bring it back, mm-hmm. uh, bring it back from the dead. I think that's what Disney should do now that they have all of the money in the world, literally. Yeah. Preferably uh, they with could, the original they script. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't understand the title. I don't understand where Swiss Miss came into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, why is it called Turn Off the Dark? That is a good question. Maybe, to be fair, that actually, that's a title that sort of applies to the original script because Arachne is all sort of in darkness and she's looking to turn off her dark, I guess. I, I guess? That's a bit of a reach. But that, uh, once you remove her, there's no, that doesn't apply to the new script at all. But maybe, I guess, at that point. It's just Spider-Man. Yeah. Hmm, it's... No, I, I really don't. I'm not quite sure if I'm happy that it exists in the form that it does, or if I'm sad that we'll never get to see it properly. Hmm. I feel like I would love to have been around when it was happening to watch it unfold as it happened, because I feel like that is far, far funnier. The idea of like watching it all come crashing down. And I think I'd love to be there. You just want to watch the world burn, basically. Yeah, but a world in which I have no consequences, uh, but as part of... Like, I don't want to be being paid wages for it, because then that, that might, you know, I might lose money. But I would love to watch it without consequences. Is there any Is there any other hero you would, you think, could make a potentially better musical from? Broadway musical specifically. I mean, there are there's the Star Kid musical, Holy Musical, Batman, which is oh, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's actually incredible because it's funny. Yes, I feel um, like you'd have but to I go think, comedic. Yeah, and you take the sixties era Batman, and it suddenly it's, it makes it all yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, I think. But I would, I would love to see a um, a Green Lantern musical. Ooh, that would be that's very uh, cosmic sort of. Yeah. I would love to see how they deal with that. Mm. One yeah. that I think would, um, because uh, that's what I, I'd love a Green Lantern one for the level of mess that Spider Man was. Yeah, that's true. But I would love to genuinely see a musical about um, heroes like the Great Lake, Great Lake Avengers, and Squirrel Girl, and like that level of character. Mm. I think yeah, you'd probably be better off going for a more sort of uh, B level superhero. Especially because I think looking at this, what you just said about they'd be better off copying the 60s aesthetic, I think they would be far better off going for that than trying to, what they seem to do with Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which was replicate the aesthetic of the films. Yeah, oh, maybe even the Fantastic Four oh, that would, would be a be, good movie. That's actually a really good idea, because they're very... Because imagine that ensemble yeah. of vocals as well, just on a musical And that's level. a very, they're all very broad characters in general which i think would be a good plus you know it, it maybe the thing plus might you be could... difficult to translate to stage but we'll work around that no 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 because you could have ben grimm the yes. thing doing a rock oh, ballad oh my god <laughs> oh it writes itself it writes itself it's perfect there's, there's probably some sort of, you know, romantic ballad lyrics about not being seen and, you know, stretching everywhere that yeah. would be applicable. Yeah, like overreaching yeah. and... I can't wait for... And then you could have Johnny Johnny being Johnny like... Johnny Storm's techno uh, he's doing remix. so good. Sort of... He's on fire. He's like... 
it's just, so, it's just, just saying like I'm he's, on fire. He's running through it's everything. Long. Yeah, yeah, literally. Oh, oh my god! And I can't even. I don't. I'm not smart enough to think of a Doctor Doom uh, song, but you know that you would pay to see Victor Von Doom singing uh, an epic, dramatic Ooh. song. But well, no, because that, in a genuine way, I think that makes sense because. To have the villain of your musical be a giant European dictator who just sits in a literal, you know, iron mask and armor who rules like a tyrant over the entire country he occupies, that sounds like a pretty good musical villain to me. Yeah, he sounds very theatrical. It sounds very fun. Oh, do you remember fun? Do you remember that? Yeah, well... So basically... Not much of that going around. What we're saying is Disney... I know, I know this was a misstep with Turn Off the Dark, but, you know, don't be discouraged. There's an untapped, yeah, there's try an again. untapped market here. Musicals are big yes. right now. Look at Hamilton. That's yes. still going. That is um, indeed a musical. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen, uh, Heathers, Mean Girls, War of the Worlds, all of these musicals are coming back. Beetlejuice is a huge yeah. musical. Like... It could just take a chance. Things, stranger things have happened. I thought you meant that they were doing a no, yeah. musical then, and I got very confused and weirdly excited, but then not excited in the I same can't second. That for their upside down, they're just going to reuse the Arachne sets, yeah. all in darkness, <laughs> and poor whoever they get to play Eleven is going to be suspended over the audience for half an hour. Oh, for yeah. so long, and the blood is going to go to oh. all of her head. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, I've 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 enjoyed. Thank you for te- teaching me the ways, uh, or teaching me all the information about Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. I will now be quoting it yeah. daily. <laughs> when you say I quoting, be you just mean to you're going to shout Mary Jane and then fall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I'm going to fall off anything, I'm going to have to scream Mary Jane. Uh, I'm going to bring a saxophone with me everywhere because um, when I fall, I want to land and make yeah. a saxophone noise. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to refer to everyone as Arachne. I'm going to learn everything I can about the Arachne story and just quote it to people and reference it all and the time. And then be so good at it that your teacher will assign you and everyone you know much homework on it. All the homework. Yes, exactly. So much homework because, you know, despite being outside of education now, they will still, still give everybody a homework. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Prime Minister will come in and he'll be like, okay, everyone... Uh, I just read this amazing yeah. article about Arachne, so everyone's got to write a ten-page essay. <laughs> By parliamentary law, everyone has to now know everything about Arachne, and it's all thanks to yeah. this guy right here. And it's a picture of me, and then they're gonna, everyone's going to beat me up. <laughs> oh, oh well. At least you have your uncle for solace. Oh, what? Wait, what's that? Uncle, what are you doing out in the road? No, don't get hit by the car. No, Uncle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> say Uncle, say Uncle. <laughs> oh, God, it's taken another turn. Oh, God, what a time. Uh, well, you know, it's nice that through all of human history, we are alive in a post-turn-off-the-dark world. Yeah, but it's it's sadder that we didn't... We didn't hit that sweet we spot. Weren't we, weren't, we weren't there for the moment that it was here but we get to see the born too early to explore the earth born too late to explore spider-man yeah. turn off we the get dark. to see the beautiful aftermath oh god hindsight is a beautiful thing indeed <laughs>